Did you know that bank specialists can't work outside of the country? So if they go on vacation, they can't work on their files. This is just one of the insights I got from my conversation with Sarah Mathieu. Sarah is a ex-banker. She's been in banking for eight years before becoming a mortgage broker and shares some of the things that she's learned in making that transition. For instance, how brokers can earn 200% two times or more uh, than a typical bank specialist, how brokers have, we know that brokers have more lending options, but also uh, Sarah talks about how the file control is really important. And of course, increased flexibility in, in technology and marketing and even travel, being able to work remotely and be able to still work your files if you choose to. Not that you have to work when you're on vacation, but if you do want to go somewhere, it's nice that you can do that. Also, at the end of this conversation, Sarah and I talk about the importance of shopping around for brokerage and how it's very difficult to comparison shop because they all do it differently. And transparency is not like in the bank where everything is a standard operating procedure and everybody gets the same. And so bankers come into the broker channel thinking that's what it's like, but it's not. And so at the end, I'm going to do a breakdown of the four types of lender compensation that they pay, that they may pay, they don't pay them all. And then I'm going to give you a resource that you can go check out to actually compare and see if you're being uh, getting access to all that types of compensation. Before I jump into this episode, I want to give a shout out to our title sponsor, Finmo. Finmo is a Canadian mortgage application, document collection, submission platform designed specifically for Canadian borrowers. It's very easy to use. And it's got some cool features like smart docs. It knows what documents your client needs based on how they how they fill the app. It's connected to Lender Spotlight, which has the best, absolutely best program for searching for rates and guidelines over 8,000 and, and always climbing. And also, it's got smart submission notes. So as you go to hit submit, it's pulling key data to make it easier and faster for your lender. Check them out at lendesk.com slash Finmo and check out this conversation with Sarah. Hey, Sarah, welcome to the show. Hi, how's it going? I'm fantastic. So I'm excited to chat with you. So if anybody hasn't list, doesn't know who you are, can you give me a little background on who you are and how you got in the mortgage biz? I've been in the mortgage business now for about eight years. I was kind of a licensed assistant, moved over to the banking side of the world, like full commission only. Um, and then my career really took off from there where I went from zero in sales to 44 million in one year. And then my husband wanted to join the industry. So I came back to the broker channel. <laughs> and we've kind of had a mix from our business growth from there, from marketing to team members coming with us. And yeah, here we are today. And so you're a bank specialist, as we would call it. And then now you're a mortgage broker, right? Yeah, exactly. They call it um, the bank I was at was a mortgage specialist, but each bank okay. kind of has their own. Term. They have their own name, but same yeah. idea. And and um, so if you're listening, kind of just to give people context. And then, so what I want to ask you some questions about is since you have, you know, quite a few people that worked in banking and have moved over to work being a mortgage broker. Yeah. What are some of the things that they ask you? What are the questions that come up if I'm a bank person and I'm like, I'm not sure about, you know, uh, this broker space, what kind of stuff would come up that? That you typically see? I'd, I'd say the number one question is kind of obvious and it always goes back to pay how much you yeah. can make in the broker channel versus making at the bank. Um, the bank kind of gives you a sense of security because you obviously have this big brand behind you. Some of them do offer a small salary to kind of get you going. The bank I was at was about six months and I can't remember, it was a couple thousand bucks a month. Um, but you kind of quickly realize that when you're commission only a couple of thousand bucks a month, isn't going to cut it. Right. So no. um, especially when that stops and now you're led to just be full on commission. Um, so the biggest thing would be the pay difference. So as you know, in the broker channel, we have the ability to make up to, you know, when there's compensation bonuses up to like 140 
basis points, right? Right. Um, and whereas at the bank side of things, where I was anyways, you were kind of averaging, I had a book of 44 million. And at the end of the year, I looked at, you know, my spreadsheet and I was averaging around 55 basis points. So you're already way less than half there almost yeah. times. And then you don't even consider the fact that when you're at the bank, you're an employee. So you're getting taxed like an employee, even though you're commission only. Whereas when you're a broker, you're self-employed. So you have a lot more tax advantages when it comes to compensation. Obviously that changes interprovincially, but if I looked at my taxes when I was doing 44 million in sales and then minus 55 basis points, so that's kind of like 22 million in sales, that's for easy math, then I was getting taxed 53% in British Columbia. So now right. you're like at what, 11 million in sales right. by the time you break that down to so making around 100K a year, whereas in the broker channel, that would be well, you know, 450, 500K. So that's a that's massive a difference. Well, yeah. you know, BC stands for bring cash because yeah. tax rate. I'm not surprised <laughs> that you're taxed at 53%. But yeah, you get into the top tax bracket and you, you don't did. have the same tax planning options that you do no. when you're self you have, you have some. Like you still have the like some write-offs, the ability to do your home office and that kind of stuff, um, but not as much as the uh, sole proprietor would have, or even more so when you are able to become an incorporated company. Right. There's more options. Okay, so that'd be the first mm -hmm. thing is like the difference in pay. What other yeah. things when you talk to banks, people, bank specialists who are thinking about getting into the mortgage side, what other areas do they have concerns over? I would say the majority of them, even, you know, I've only worked at one, but we've had a couple of people join us from different institutions at this point, and they all have a similar concern where they are the document control, like the document, what would you call that? Like review. Yeah. Um, so their clients give them the documents, they review them much like we do as brokers, and then we submit them out to a lender. Well, they only have one option for their lender, right? We have multiple. So their lender will review it. They've got a team that does it. And sometimes that process could be a little bit broken or slow, or if it's very automated, it's kind of like a tick box and you'll get a pay stub back that could, you know, delay the process by a week sometimes because you're doing all this back and forth for just really silly little things. Um, so a lot of them are curious about what that process looks like coming over to the broker channel. Right. So, okay. So just so I'm clear, if I would, so, again, every bank is slightly different, but essentially you're saying that it, if I'm doing the, the document review process is, is uh, can be clunky. Yeah. Would you say that's correct? Okay. So then, yeah. and then how do you explain if I'm a, I know, I know how you're going to explain this, but let's say somebody's a bank specialist listening to this and they're like, hmm, so how would you explain the way it works on this side? I kind of explain it because I obviously felt the same way when I was at the bank that some deals would go smooth and others would just be like pulling teeth and you were like so frustrated about the process. I kind of explain it that the broker channel, now that you have access to dozens, if not hundreds of lenders, depending on which brokerage you're with, 
Um, yeah. Obviously, they don't all have the same quality of their process, right? So some of them, I kind of mention, I won't mention any names, but some of our lenders, as you know, start to become your favorite because they have a killer process. They review all your documents up front, underwrite it, and it comes back to you fully approved and unconditional, right? Whereas others still have a rather clunky process that can impede the quality and the service that you're trying to provide to your client. So I explained that you have an array of, of options and it's up to you to decide on which connections you're going to make with which lenders because most likely their process. Sometimes pay is obviously better, but you learn as a broker really quickly that process sometimes outweighs that. Right? Yeah, for sure. At the end, of the, if you can't get it done or it's so yeah. painful that the extra pay is not worth no, the, the yeah, pain. you're going to lose the client yeah. or the client's going to get so frustrated because you're asking for this, asking for that. Or sometimes, you know, we've all been there where the deal has been unconditional and all of a sudden they review it again and they're asking for more stuff a couple of days before closing. You you quickly learn that you want to use a, a lender that's solid, right? So yeah, that, we have that options will for those and we have yeah. other options. So. Right. And, this, and then it's just about communicating it. So the... Yeah, and and it relation even though lending is there's policies and there's still a, it's still a relationship business at the end of the day. Oh, I'm sure you've 100%. noticed that, right? Like, so yeah. how do, how important is it that you have a good relationship with the your your lender underwriters? So important that can, as you know, can make or break your business. Like when I hear sometimes BDMs or underwriters saying like, "Oh, you're you're so nice," or brokers are always like yelling at me or whatever. That's the last thing you want in this business is to, you know, pardon my French, but piss off your underwriter because now all of a sudden it your flow, your process is, is automatically broken, right? Mm -hmm. So no, you definitely want them to be friends, not uh, not enemies. <laughs> That's for yeah. sure. Yeah, no, it's it's not it's a that is not the right you don't want an adversarial approach to it. Um no. okay, so there's the pay difference, there's the document document and basically lender options. What other yeah. things do you notice when talking to uh, bank bank specialists who are looking at the broker side? Well, for me, I love to travel. So mm -hmm. the first time that I joined the bank, um, I was actually going on a three week road trip with my husband and we were going down to the States to kind of, you know, do the Oregon coast and kind of hit, you know, Utah and a couple of awesome hikes. And all of a sudden my boss was like, Oh, you can't, you can't work in the States. Like you're not allowed to submit a deal out of Canada, like out of the country. And I was like, what? Um, Cause I had come from the broker channel and my boss mm -hmm. at the time, she was working in Mexico all the time. So I was like, right. what do you mean? <laughs> so um, that's a big one. And, you know, uh, one of the first brokers that approached me, um, is from out of country and he's ever since he's joined the broker channel he hasn't even stepped foot in canada since he got his license and he right. runs his whole business from somewhere else so that's super important in today's day and age we work from our laptops we want to be able to work from anywhere personally right. and, and a lot of people feel that way especially when it's a vacation and you're not quite ready to shut your computer off. You still right. need to even if it's even if you're not moving, maybe you're going away for a week or two, but now all so what if I'm at the bank, do I have to like hand that file off to someone else and, and lose pay on it or what typically happens? I, I would imagine most lenders have different processes, but where we were the 
what was recommended was you could be your computer still worked, but you had to work with somebody who was basically going to like do the submission of your file in Canada. Mm -hmm. So they tracked, you know, your VPN status to make sure that the deals and the information, I guess you could say was in Canada. Right. So you couldn't, you couldn't, um, access any of that stuff remotely. Yeah. I've got friends that like run their whole, I got one friend who's run a, like a almost $200 million a year business from Barbados for the last two years. Yeah. And his, you know, his clients are in all over Canada, mostly Ontario, yeah. but like he's, it doesn't make any difference. He's with his family. He gets to enjoy that. So there's, there is definitely upsides to having that flexibility. Well, when you're self-employed, that's part of the reason you do it is is to obviously work-life balance when you're first starting out. It's a little bit skewed, but you get to a point where you want to enjoy that and you deserve to do those things, right? So like we just went to Mexico for two months and I don't think any of my husband, he's a broker, I don't think any of his clients really knew the difference. Um, so they don't care. Real partners knew we were there, but it didn't bother him because they, he was on his computer from regular hours and just from different location, right? So the service didn't change, but so to me, that's important. And I'm noticing to a lot of mortgage specialists that that is really important as well, is that ability to move around and have that remote work option. Right. Okay. So we talked about the pay, we talked about sort of documents and lender options. We talked about travel. What other things do you typically see that someone would have questions about or if they were, you know, looking at from the other side? Um, I noticed one of the big questions, um, like as far as like the process being different is that, you know, the word insurable isn't huge in the the banking world. Mm -hmm. They usually have insured and conventional and it kind of stops there. So it's really coaching them on what an insurable deal is, obviously what it means and and what you can do with that, because obviously there's interest rate advantages to knowing the difference between an insurable rate, especially this year with renewals coming up, um, it could be make or break, right? Compared to what, if you're giving quotes. So really educating them on that process. Another big question they have when they come on board is appraisals. That's usually just like a button that they click when they're at the institution. So getting them familiar with like NAS and having accounts with these systems, um, is, is important. Um, trying to think what else what about like technology options like what what new technology options are available to you that you didn't have access to before yeah that's a, good, that's a good one um i know i kind of i kind of knew that was going to come up right you were, yeah you yeah no i, I forgot about yeah. that because i mean i've been working with the broken channel and you're very technology forward anyway like you, i very, love technology because yeah. it can obviously skyrocket your business and just make yeah. life easier we talked about work-life balance you can achieve that through technology right so obviously when you're at the bank and i can only speak for one but you have an older system you have to think of the chain of command that it's got to go through to see it change right so your system i always call it like prehistoric like dinosaur age because it's old and it's clunky and they've probably had it forever with very minimal changes because you're not by the time it goes from the top to down it's just not um not quick not a quick process so that's often uh, a, a good question that they have when they're coming over and i always i'll show them i use finmo so i show them finmo and they just like can't believe it 
right? They're like, right. this is crazy. This is so simple. Um, like, yeah, it's just night and day difference. And they can obviously appreciate that, right? Right. Yeah. So there's technology, there's more technology options available. And mm -hmm. because these companies are, it's very competitive. It so is. they have to make, you know, in my opinion, they do make get some great stuff. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, and Finmo is a fantastic tool. Yeah. And then the other thing would be marketing options. So that from my understanding at when you're working as a part of a branch and you're technically an employee, you do have l more limitations on your marketing options. Correct. You have to be a bit more. Tell me. Yeah. What like you when I first started, there. I would say. I would say that I felt comfortable having a big brand behind me that people recognize more so than being a mortgage broker and you're kind of trying to create your own brand. But as my business evolved and I got busier, you turn into your own brand, right? People don't don't really care about that. Big they don't. They, no, they're coming to you because they trust you and they you. like you and, exactly. and it's not the, it's not the brand. Yeah. Yeah. So like one big thing, obviously, I'll talk is something as simple as an email. And, and you've seen this, too, is, is the importance of having your own email. So when you yeah. leave the banking world, you're leaving behind all your contacts and your your email, which is essentially like the biggest part of your business. Right. Um, so having your own brand, like let's just say sarahmatu.ca um, and being able to bring that with me wherever I want is so important. And then obviously, yeah, establishing, establishing yourself as your own brand is so important because now you can move around, you can leave the bank. And like you said, people just want to work with you. So the ability to have your own website and to have your CRM, like we weren't allowed a CRM system at the bank because that information was the banks, right? So um, having a CRM is huge. I have one of our bankers on our team. We're gonna have a CRM, he's so excited because he's never right. had one and he's been you know, in the mortgage industry for years. So yeah, there's just so many opportunities on that front, what you can do as far as social media, anything really. Yeah, that's true. And then so tell me a little bit about, so cause you, you are built a very strong business using social media as a sort of the, the backbone of that. Talk to me about that. What is what have you noticed about it? I noticed that when I was at the bank that they had a lot of I'll call them assets, you know, social media squares that were available to like kind of click and pay or click and schedule. And then when I came back over to the broker channel, there was really nothing like that, but there was obviously a need for it because people either lack the technical skills to create it themselves in Canva or the creativity or whatever it may be, the time. The time is a big one, right? Mm -hmm. um, so for us, we, I started creating these templates and the templates just evolved into squares, into reels, into stories, into scripts, like what to say you know, on your social media if you're going to do a video. Because that was a big one that either newbies or even these bankers were like, I don't really know what to say, you know? Right. Like, um, so... Yeah, we've just kind of evolved our business to suit whatever the broker really needs. And our bankers really love that because they've, they've never had that flexibility to grab something, create it and put it into Canva, change all the colors, slap their logo on it. And it's something they can be proud of because it's them, right? So, right. Yeah. And, yes. and you do, at the end of the day, you are branding yourself as the, yeah. the people will follow you as an individual. So, and so you have a, if people, I mean, I know this, but you have a service that you also provide for this for brokers, just for people that are in the mortgage space. So tell me about that. What is this service? As for the templates? 
yeah, templates and social yeah. media stuff. So yeah, so we offer like from anything from templates to like website templates, newsletter templates, uh, you name it. And then obviously social media squares, which would be based out of Canva. You have got like the different sizes so you could put it in different parts of your social media. Um, but we also have like a managed service where you can hire one of our social media managers to like take over your account, use your branding, your fonts, your photos, your logos, that kind of stuff. Um, and we try to be as compliant as possible because we're familiar as being a broker myself, like what we need to do as example in Ontario, how strict FISRA is. <laughs> oh yeah, um, so they're very much, they, they want to, you know, you can't just, yeah. Can't just good. do anything. Yeah. You can't so just do anything. Yeah, so we do that. Like I said, we offer the scripts um, and now we're moving into more of a CRM kind of multi-tool platform too. So essentially if our brokers, as the brokers that we have in our marketing company need something, we're trying to find a fit for their business right. to help them grow. You're, you're, I was, I very much am wired the same way. It's like find a pain yeah. point, solve it. Yeah. And then, you know, and then, hey, maybe someone else will find this solution useful. And, yeah, and, exactly. Uh, and like asking people for feedback, what they need and what they need to grow is huge, right? Because for a long time, we weren't doing scripts. But I mean, that's the way social media is going. People are doing more and more videos. So we're offering offering that as a service now, for sure. Right. Yes. Yeah, so, right. You give scripts for people. That's right. I, I, I've mm -hmm. seen those. That's clever. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think like I've been trying to use social media more and I, it's still something I'm, I feel like I'm very clunky at, but you know, it's, I think it's going come. well. I've noticed, I've noticed an improvement just in the last few months with your, with yeah, your. I have people helping me with it, but it's like, we're, <laughs> we're, give me another three or four months and hopefully we've got somebody that's going to be taking over, like at least ma making sure that it's done consistently. And for me, it's, yeah, like, that's the hard part. Know. And that's why I think these templates help. Um, a lot of the feedback we get is, is yeah, because then you can do something consistently. Because if you don't do yeah. it consistently, it's sort of it it get doesn't work as well. So I feel yeah. like that part has been really helpful. Um, okay, so we'll go back to the any last sort of if somebody is in the banking world and they're like, hey, I'd like to find out more about being a broker. What would be any last piece of advice you have for them? I would, I always kind of tell them to do their shopping around to obviously look into brokerages and transparency is huge as, as you agree with and know, um, because I've kind of been part of a diff, a couple different brokerages and I always explain it's kind of like a McDonald's, but you know, each franchise is different, but imagine each McDonald's being able to give a different price for their burgers and stuff. Like, I was like, they don't, they're not as transparent as what you would think. Oh, that's actually, it's, that's, I never thought of it that way. You're totally right. It's like they your franchise, understand. but they don't, it's like, oh, but we do it. We don't make burgers that way. We do them this way. And this is what yeah. you pay. And like, it's, yeah. Yes, so I, right. I, I really encourage them to do their homework because you got to think the average broker, you may know this more than I do, but last time I read a stat on this a couple of years ago, maybe did, you know, under 15 million would be. Yeah like a good and then I mean lots of them fail in their first few years as well but you have to think mortgage specialist they get to this like when I joined the institution like their goal was like 15 million each person by the time I left it was 25 million per person they've got some really strict targets um, and last time I spoke one of one person who's looking to transition over, like she was, she did 38 million one year and she wasn't even near the top of her list. So these people are coming into the mortgage industry trained, looking for brokerages, but they don't know the language involved to find the right fit. 
So mm -hmm. they get attracted right away by the highest commission percentage, right? But they don't understand the breakdown on, is there a royalty? What does that include for my split? Is it forever? What kind of training do you provide? Um, anything. Are you right? getting compensation on all? There's many different ways. There's at least four types of compensation. So yes. are you getting all of them? Or are you getting some of them? And which one? And like, that's so what that's they don't know. Part. They come from yeah. the bank where, where there is that transparency because it's it's written in an SOP. And everybody gets the same. Every, Everyone basically, gets the same. Yeah, it's yeah. an institution. So I always pressure them to like, even if they connect well with me at the beginning, it's like, no, do your homework and see what there's the right fit. Some people want to be in an office. Others don't. Some people are okay taking a lower split for more training. Some people want the highest split possible. So I always, yeah, I just really say, do your homework and find what's best for you. Um, like I, I know for, we weren't in Quebec at, at this point, right? And I spoke to one banker who was moving over and he did something like 72 million a year. And he got all these crazy offers from brokerages because obviously that's a big difference in their book of business. Yeah. But they were offering him like some of them, oh, well, you're still new to the broker channel. We'll do a 70-30. And I was like, no. There's no <laughs> way. Yeah. And then like I asked him about the bonuses. Like, are you going to get access to all the bonuses? What lenders are you going to get? And he didn't know because he didn't have those questions to ask. Right? No. Yeah. So I kind of pushed him on that. Yeah, say. that's really good. So if somebody is in the bank world and they're interested in this, how can they reach out to you? I'm sure that you'd be happy to like have a discussion yeah. with them and answer their questions. You're you're an open book. So where would they yeah, find you? Yeah, I would um, I would say to reach out to us on our website. Somebody recently just messaged us through like our info at mortgagetech.ca is our, our mortgage business. But some people reach out to me on social media. Mortgage specialists are really big on LinkedIn. So I've heard from lots of people in that space too. So just honestly, anywhere you can get a hold of me and I'll give them my cell number. And we usually just chat over the phone is the best way. Right. To... That's the easiest thing to do. Okay. Yeah. Well, thank you, Sarah, for coming to chat with me. I really appreciate it. And anybody, if you're listening to this and you're in the bank side, like, Hey, it's not as scary as you think. And it's an awesome, it's a fantastic opportunity, but you do do your homework and understand that there are some differences, but it, it there's very few people. Most people are pretty thrilled when they move, make the move, you know, not, it's not are, fit for yeah. everybody. Like I'm not going to pretend no. it's a hundred percent, but it is a high percentage of people are like, I should have done this sooner. Yeah, I think a lot of them realize too, like a lot of them are worried. Sorry, I, I know we were trailing off there, yeah. but they're worried about the compensation obviously being higher, but what value, what percentage of their book of business they may lose due to mm -hmm. not a lot of leads coming from the institution itself, but maybe some referral partner programs or whatever that may be. People who are, you know, diehard bank clients, that kind of stuff. Um, so to give people an open, you know, book about what happened to me. I was doing 44 million. We dropped down to 32 million in our first year. We're obviously creeping back up to where we were before. That said, you have to think of one, the compensation difference. And then we yeah. also learned too, when I was doing 44 million, I was working an insane amount of hours. Like right. I'd wake up at 5 a.m., go to my computer, go down for lunch, come back upstairs, back down for dinner and back into my office till 9 p.m. Like I was working crazy hours and it was awesome. Compensation was great. It would have been better in the broker channel. <laughs> yeah. But what we learned quickly, especially as a young family, was 
who cares if I don't reach 44 million? If I do 32, I'm making more money and I'm working less hours. So right. you get that freedom back too. So it's not being worried about like, oh, I might not reach my targets that I did in the banking side. Think about my husband's home at 3.30 in the afternoon. Computer right. shut off. You know, like there's something to be said about that as well than just strictly yeah. permission, right? Yeah, you at 100%. It's a, it's yeah. a totally different dynamic. Okay, well, thank you, Sarah. Good chat with you. No problem. Thanks again for listening to that conversation with Sarah. And so I, I thought I'd break down for you the four types of compensation that lenders may pay. They don't always pay all types. And that way you can know what questions to ask. And then I'll give you a resource you can go to check out to find, basically do some digging on what they pay. So the first thing that lenders pay is finder's fee. And so finder's fee is compensation is based on basis points. And for instance, and for simplicity, if you use a five-year term, and of course the, the term length will change the compensation about the finder's fee. So typically like 75, 80 basis points is what they'll pay for a finder's fee. Then there's something called volume bonus. So that's compensation paid if your brokerage or your company does over a certain volume. And if you're at any size at all, that should be pretty standard. Most places are getting, you should have that again, but don't, I guess I shouldn't assume, but you need to have a certain scale in order to get volume bonus with all lenders. And so if you're not, you know, a billion dollars, it's really difficult to hit top tier with everybody billion plus. Uh, and so volume bonus, and that can vary again, depending on the lender. Um, and it can be like 25, 35, 20 to 35 basis points kind of thing. Sometimes it's more. These numbers are very, again, it varies from lender to lender as well as sometimes they have specials and stuff that happen. There's also something called efficiency bonus. So this is compensation that's paid in and it's earned based on your funding, using your funding ratio, or you use specific products that the lender wants you to use. So maybe they want a certain number of insured products or conventional products. And so they'll tie in something called an efficiency bonus, which is essentially, it will make sure that you're, if you're sending in lots of files and they're not funding, it's a waste of their time. So typically it starts at like 70% and sometimes it's 80% and then you can get more comp. And some of them will be like, hey, if you're at this number, you'll get this comp. But if you're at another number, you'll get a different comp, you get a bigger comp. And then the last type of compensation is points or perks. So some lenders will pay point, they have a points program. So every five-year mortgage, for instance, with MCAP, you'll get points. They call them M points, but they can be converted into cash to, to buy stuff for your business or for investing in things or uh, rate buy-downs. So M points are an example of points that you can get. And and not all lenders have all four. And so if you want to go find in this and in this episode, I'm going to put two links for two blog posts I did where I broke down the different lenders and how their compensation works. I did TD, MCAP, First Nat, Scotia, and uh, a couple others. And you can go check those out, and then you can see exactly how they all work and see how the you know what types of compensation they have. So there is more than just finder's fee. So often we think about finder's fee. Volume bonus is something that you maybe you've heard of. I nobody even told me about that when I first started, and. Then, of course, there's efficiency bonus and, and there's also perks and points. And some of those efficiency bonuses are paid directly to the brokerage based on the volume the brokerage did and their efficiency over the last month. And some of them are paid. So this is why you need to ask the question. There's, it's very, it's, if there's not one size fits all here, but it's, uh, you know, what they say, caveat emptor, which is basically buyer beware. You need to do your own homework on this so that you can ask the right questions. Go check that out at uh, this links that I'll provide. And hey, thanks again for listening to this episode. So go check out those blog posts that I wrote on specifically on how compensation works if you're interested to find out how if you're getting paid all access to all the options that are available to you. And I will see you on the next show. I Love Mortgage Brokering is the podcast where brokers collaborate and everybody gets better.